May it be your will, Adonai, our God, that a mishap not come about through us. And may we not stumble in a matter of Torah and cause our colleagues to rejoice over us. And may we not say regarding something which is Tamei that it is Tahor, and not regarding something which is Tahor that it is Tamei. And may our colleagues not stumble in a matter of Torah, and I rejoice over them. For Adonai grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding of God. Unveil our eyes that we may perceive wonders from your Torah. Amen. Well, we had a week off. How'd you do? It's nice to have a week off, wasn't it? So we uh, updates on our our various players. I believe that your wife has passed the ten week mark. In the middle of it. She's in the middle of the ten week mark. Mm-hmm. She well, she's officially ten weeks. Which means, yes, she's... So she's passed in, so she's starting the 11th week. Technically, yes, but that's basically where we were before, so God. that's why I'm thinking... Yes, yes, I see. ...haven't crossed the significant line yet. So, um, for those of you who uh, are unawares, uh, I was uh, performing a wedding this past Sunday in Jacksonville for uh, Mr. and Mrs. Tom Brown. And uh, I did pass Mr. Brown... You guys know that when the man is under the chuppah, waiting for his bride to circle him, tradition says that he's closer to God than any other man on the planet. And that whatever he prays, God will hear and heed. So I handed him a little card that asked him to pray Mm -hmm. for my second daughter, Juliet, (laughs) that her baby would be healthy, full term, and awesome. And uh, yeah. And uh, he did pray that. So I'm feeling... Well, I mean, yeah, we're definitely feeling very good. Um, did get a chance to see an ultrasound yesterday, and he or she has nose and fingers and toes. Nose and, and fingers and toes! So very exciting. exciting. Heartbeat still still beating strong. So Outstanding. Everything's Praise going God. very well. I just want to say, if you see um, Orlando or his wife, Tanya, give them a huge hug. Amen. Because she is running um, a really cool business doing ultrasound-type technology. And she lets women come in who are early, like we are. Yeah. Um, we're, we've been doing this for free. And she does it partly as, as an opportunity for women to get a chance to see their baby who might not be sure about it. Right, about keeping it. But, well, but yeah, about keeping it. Yeah. And then for us, it's really been more about peace of mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, she's been a huge yeah. blessing. It's, uh, I spoke with her about that some weeks ago. And uh, she really does have a heart for that. And it's so beautiful to see. It really is. So. Yeah, she may not keep it for free forever if we get enough publicity for That's it. That's exactly right. Yeah, but, it, but. but praise God that she's doing that. And on the job front, so uh, where, where are we at here? We've got all kinds of offers or beating it's desert. Or, yeah. yeah. He's uh, trying to beat them off. The <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I don't want the one for you. <laughs> the, well, so, so tomorrow will be a day of decision for two, two offers. Okay. Two solid ones. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, I'm, Where I'm just, from? Uh, one is with Proficient, actually, which is uh, the company that Sean works at and Brock used to work at. Uh, and then the other one was with Carolina Cat, where I was before. So both of them sound great and Good. Baruch Hashem Good. for even having two. But uh, yeah, I, so. Can you work both of them? Yeah. Wisdom would be would be helpful okay. at this point. Well, then we'll pray for that. Yeah, praise thank you. God. It is uh, 
it is exciting to hear that there's decisions to be made rather than crying to be had. And who else do we know that then one week today, right? One week? I, I think it's two weeks today. One week, two weeks. Jobs on the table <laughs> that are actually like not flipping burgers. Like, yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah, uh, I thank you for everyone's prayers, really. It's been a whirlwind since then, but uh, it's just cool to be able to interact with people during this time. It's like you see a lot of people's true character when you need help, and it's like, man, everybody has been fantastic. Praise so God. A lot Praise of people God. hear about help a lot, so thank you. All right. That's good news. That's great. So we are on lesson ten, and we have finished Great start to the podcast. The uh, finish the gospels now. So uh, let's walk through this and, and see what we've got. You got your books or something here available, and uh, it's astonishing to me that you actually can do that on an iPad. <coughs> but since I've met you, tablet? since I since I've met you, you've been doing things more easily on a phone than on an iPad. It's an odd thing, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's just, I, it's, I guess because it fits in my pocket. It could be. iPad can't fit in my I'm pocket. I'm just going to wait and see if your son is Maybe I'm not too. buying the right pants. <laughs> <laughs> pants your pantaloons will be tight. <laughs> Alright. So... Eyesight. <laughs> He's still got the eyesight, that's right. So, the first thing that came to mind for me when I was reading this passage, and again, we're reading all of the Gospels, so you get these four different perspectives. And I was shocked. These angels say, now, go to the Galilee. He's going to meet you there. He told you he was going to meet you there. He's going to meet you there. Where, where did he say he was going to meet you? Did you read it? It was on some mountain, on the mountain that he told you about. I'm like, what are we talking about? I don't remember any mountain deal. We're there in Jerusalem. You got the women. You got the angel. You got the stone is way over there. You got the guys that act like they're dead because they passed out. It's too bad. And all of a sudden, we're in the upper room. The doors were locked kind of thing. That's where Acts takes us. But this actually mentioned a mountain. My theory is that the disciples brought the ball here. Okay. Um, I think if you read this throughout the... Uh, one, the disciples dropped the ball. If you read the various levels of, of versions here, uh, pretty much none of the disciples are believing the women. The Agreed. closest we get is John and Peter go to the tomb to check it out, and only after they see the tomb's empty... Does the light bulb come on for yeah. John, and Peter's still a little, like, puzzled. It was nice the way John made it clear that he outran Peter. That yes. was pretty cool. But he didn't yeah. say, oh, the disciple that he loved. Yeah. Uh, so then, um, <laughs> right. Although, in fairness, I mean, I, I, I think it's completely appropriate that they went to the tomb to confirm. That, I would want to do that, too. Yes. If, he's, if he rose, he's not there. Let me let me check it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with checking it out. I yeah. guess I'm just thinking just about like, but that was the, the but I'm saying it's like Mr. that's Putin. the um the the closest we've got to acceptance of it. The other disciples are completely. I mean, they think people who've seen him, they're saying you're out of your mind. There's right. no way it yeah. happened. Yeah. So 
my thought is that Yeshua was intending to meet them in the Galilee, but the disciples never showed. They never they never went to the Galilee. So Yeshua basically intercepts them, if you will, where they're at. He meets them in the upper room because they never okay, left. Okay, I never thought of that. So you're thinking the women come in with the report. He's, re- he's not there. And you're thinking the faith move would have been a sprint to Galilee. we got to go. To some mountain that they had predetermined. If there's ever some kind of, well, death. <laughs> I'll meet you here on the map, In which is the... fire break Yeah, it's, right? It's like... That's, that's that's in the oral tradition. <laughs> if, like if there's like an apocalypse, we're all gathered here because that's where right. Our guns are right. We got it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, we've, we've got the cash here. Okay, so that was it. The sprint. And we got the RPG. The go bags. Right. Yeah, that's right. Here's the coordinates. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I, I can work with that. I never. I. I just saw the mountain reference and thought. Did I miss something? Was I was there a different gospel? That maybe there's chapters in some missing codicil that I missed or something. But uh, good. The Q missing the Q. Well, That's I, right. I, the Q dot. It does, it does illustrate that there are other things that are alluded to that are not explicitly dis, you know spelled out or described. Sure. Which so. which is the same with the Torah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So. Um, I asked you in your study guide there, when you're reading John 21, uh, we've got two incidents recounted, and the first involves only seven of the 11 remaining apostles. There's four guys missing. Who are the four guys? Hang on now, Joshua. Let me hear it, Joshua. Okay. I was trying to count. Yeah, yeah. So it's not as descriptive as I've heard, but I'm guessing it's Philip. Okay. Matthew. I think the tax collector was not there, yes. And here now the most two important ones. Luke. No, Luke wasn't an apostle. Was there? No. Who else you got? Mark wasn't an apostle either. These are gospel writers. So who's missing? Who's missing? Thomas. No, no. Thomas is there. Yeah. I'm thinking it. Uh, I'm thinking it was. It wasn't. I think it. Matthew. Matthew's one of them for sure. Simon. The. Simon the. Say it. Say it. Starts with Z. Ends with Lot. The zealot. Simon the Zealot. Um, now, I find that very interesting. Why would you suppose Simon the Zealot wouldn't be there? He's out being zealous. He's being zealous, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's up? that's what's happened with Judas, right? I mean, let's, let's talk about this. I mean, we don't think that... We don't think that the devil entered Judas and he went... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Frankenstein's right. <laughs> what, what, what actually probably happened there? Tell me about Judas and this. The devil's in him now, and he betrays the master. Did he look different? Probably not. I, what, so no green eyes, the, uh, laser beams. I, I, the the thing that that makes me think of is there's the quote in the Talmud that says no man 
commits, like, willingly commits a sin without a temporary insanity okay. coming over him. Yeah. Like, no, no sane man would, like... Why would you deliberately... Right. And, and I always think of that when I think of Judas, because it's something similar to that, right? Okay. So where it's like, it's a, it's a temporary blinding of the okay. right way, right, right. distracting by money, really. I mean, is the... Is Not just money, I don't think. Yeah, I, don't I mean, is Judas the... You don't think so? He's a zealot, right? Yeah. He's a, so, well, he's a Sakari. We don't know if he's a zealot, but we're, we're, Iscariot is probably coming I, from... I thought one was a subset of the other. Well, I mean, you it's know, maybe I'm wrong. It's that the Iscariot... If this guy's got from, a knife, right, it's probably like the knife this. People. Isn't this an awesome knife? <laughs> it is. A, yeah, Thank if, you very much. If, if that translation of his appendage name, <laughs> his surname, is correct, yeah. then yeah, he is something of a zealous right, character. Right. So, uh, I agree... That when we sin, this insanity takes over and we actually violate the words of the Creator. I mean, that's, that's got to be a form of insanity if you truly know and love the Creator, right? I get that. But I think that even insane people still act within their character, right? So he's, he's doing what he believes to be right. He's doing what he thinks is best for his people. He's doing the zealot Iscariot thing. Then why do you think he felt bad? Well, I don't now... Think his intention was for Yeshua to get... Exactly. I think his goal was to start a riot. His yeah. goal was yeah. to, or push to, the, to push the... Push, push, him, push him forward. Yeshua to step to, up. To, to be Moshef and David. I think it's an either-or. I actually think... Because that's what he was expecting. I think, realistically, Judas could have, could have not been sure what Yeshua was going to do but I think he honestly expected something would happen. Either Yeshua was going to step up, so, lead the something revolt. Something positive for Judaism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. revolutionary, literally. Yes. Um, he's either going to lead the revolt and they're going to take it over, or he's going to be the meek guy that Judas may have seen him be in the past, and Yeshua's followers were going to start a revolt and take it over. When when only Notice when, when Judas feels guilty, it's at the point when it's become obvious that the priests are just totally ditching the whole system that they're supposed to be following and they've already got a basically a, a death warrant out for Yeshua and so Judas realizes this is going nowhere it's not going to work the way he intended for Yeshua to die I agree and that and, and I that's, think that's that's, that's, that's the remorse that's the remorse you bet yeah. so, well okay so then because it sounds like what you're describing is that he acted completely in character but an mm -hmm. entering of the devil and like how dramatic this sounds would well, again, sound like his again, actions were out of character. I don't think the devil in any of the scriptures or any satanic or any of that stuff that we see, demonic possession or anything, anywhere we read it, has to do with people acting out of character. They're just compelled to do things that perhaps they wouldn't want or normally would do. Now, foaming at the mouth and falling on the ground and, that, and throwing into fire, I get. That's exactly what I'm saying. But my point is, if he wanted to see the kingdom come, if he wanted the Mashiach to rally the forces, if he wanted that to happen, and he was promoted to do so, that would work. I think uh, it's kind of like, judo if i understand judo properly mm -hmm. you're already headed in the direction 
and the person forces you harder in that direction exactly. to, to take yes. advantage of you. Wow, what a great analogy. Exactly. So he already wants this to happen. He doesn't want Yeshua to die, but he wants the Jews to step up and some Messiah to fill that gap. And to he unite, sees unite all the factions. Yes. And yes. The yeah, whether it's the Iscariots or it's the Zealots or whatever. And he he is pushed towards that reality by the devil. That's that that's okay. my thought. And that would be consistent with his character, but perhaps more than he would have done on his own. That's that's where I'm coming from. The judo thing is outstanding. Joshua. Plus also you have to keep in mind that um he makes the deal prior to the whole devil entered him language. The devil entered him language is the night of. He's already arranged this with the Sadducees previously. So, I mean, my point is that the... Is that true? Yeah, if you look at the... It's earlier in John. You don't have to look it up. Just tell me. I'm 95% certain. That works that, for me as long as Because it says that he took the... I know at least in John, there's the John story, which I think is the only one that talks about the devil entering him. Yeah. It says he gave him the bread at the Seder. Yeah. And he took it. But what you do, based on the other Gospels, go it looks like he's already arranged everything before the Seder. I get you. Okay. So, based on the context of the so overall the, what story... So, you, what, you, what you're going to do, do now, is betray him, not... Go get paid. Right. I get you. Okay. So I'm thinking that, that the devil entering him all is the, really all the like the nudge. Yeah, like here's the nudge to go do it now. Which is which I think is again consistent with Jewish approach to yeah. sin in yeah. general. This where this is like well, yeah. Could you really could you really betray the one that for at least three years you believe to be the Messiah? Could you really betray him to his enemies? Without if, that nudge. That's where I was coming from. And if he is a Sakari, the Sakari are the ones, I mean, we did the whole story of the timeline. Yeah. They're the guys that locked the doors and wiped out all of the Hillelites yeah. that were not on the same page as the Shemaiites right. for the little vote on who gets to do what for the 18 measures. So yeah. the deal is that like those guys, they get what they want. Any by any means necessary. That, which normally happens yeah, they, with they a guy with a big knife. They try to take they try to force an outcome they take it into their own hands and try to make it literally yeah. yeah that's exactly right cool all right so the zealot wasn't there the tax collector wasn't there who else wasn't there um, the tax collector makes sense to me yes sir andrew i got your hand andrew wasn't there andrew wasn't there Probably, but it doesn't specify who the other two people were. That's true. So it could have been Andrew, Matt, Andrew, or anybody else. Can you put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and figure it out? What I'm thinking, who the other two weren't there. So the ones that I'm counting here are James, uh, the tax collector. Uh, Matthew. Uh, uh, Matthew. Okay, Matthew's tax collector. Okay. So James, uh, Simon the Zealot, Jude, and Philip. That, that's who I'm thinking. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking. I'm thinking those are the four that weren't that weren't there. Can you give a reason why they wouldn't be there? These guys have presumably been together for three, three and a half years, aside from federal holidays. Hmm. Is that crucial? Sir. Without talking about Messiah. 
Talking about Messiah. I think the fear that was displayed on the front end probably would preclude that. I'm thinking the zealot was out being zealous. I'm thinking the tax collector was out collecting, collecting taxes. taxes. Yeah. Um, the other two, I don't know. So anyway, I just wanted well, to get some speculation. I think you could in. flip it around here and say, not why were they not there, but why who's here here? So okay. Simon's a fisherman, obviously. Well, Nathaniel. Four or five of them are fishermen. Okay, so Simon, the two sons of Zebedee, James they're all definitely fishermen. Right. The likelihood and, in my and, mind. Wait a minute, you had Simon had a partner wait, with yeah, those the two. Unnamed, <coughs> the unnamed guys, there's two. Well, one of them, I mean, means has to be Andrew. That's Simon's brother. Right. right? And they were so, partners. So that's four fishermen. Then Nathaniel, who's from Galilee, we see him earlier because he's buddies with Philip. That'd be the other one who's not named. Right. Who's hangs out with Andrew as well when they first meet Messiah in John chapter one. And the two are from the Galilee. Fishing is probably part of their nature. Exactly. So they're all together. And Thomas is the one guy who seems to have really bonded with these guys. I mean, he's his name gets mentioned multiple times in the book of John. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's because he's either not there or not believing. But the irony about <laughs> this is, I learned this week. I didn't realize this. Nathaniel's not one of the twelve. Simon, the zealot, mentions the last. So it's actually not. Seven well, disciples here. There, there's well, six is not there, right? disciples here, plus Nathaniel, who's this yeah. like hanging on quasi disciple. I, I was looking at all. I was looking, went through Mark and, and I'm like, wait a minute, Nathaniel. Nathaniel's not there. Does he go by Thaddeus and on the other no, but, <laughs> but his name's not there. So Nathaniel's not actually one of the disciples. I got Thaddeus on my passport, but my name is really Nathaniel. So so the the two that are on the road that Luke talks about that happens before this. They, they had time to go and come back, or is that two they, they did come and go back the okay. same day? Yeah. Yes, and that would have been Sunday. Right. Just making sure. Cleopas and his uh, traveling companion. Let's hope he didn't come back on Easter Sunday. That'd be a bad thing. It was Easter Sunday. Oh no! No question about it. So, how many of you? How many of you would say, you too, Ben? How many of you would say that come push or shove, you actually could cook a meal? Pretty much everybody in the room. Good. So the master does the same thing. I only know how to cook spaghetti. <laughs> It's okay. Now, there was no spaghetti at this point, but it's okay. So, what's the master cooking on the beach? Fish. Fish. Bread. Fish and bread. and bread. Fish and bread. What do you know about fish and bread? Um, I can honestly say that never occurred to me. And I'm going to write that down. I didn't hear the comment. What did he say? Joshua said, fish and bread. That's what the master fed to the 4,000 and to the 5,000. Yes. That never occurred to me. I'm on the beach looking at the, the grate on the, on the coals, mm -hmm. fish and bread. What are you thinking? You know, I, I Do, We need beans? You're thinking the 4,000 and 5,000? How many of you thought about the feeding of all the Really? I was, I was thinking, where did he get the bread? That's a good question. That's good. I was thinking it was parf. That's what I was thinking. Is that right? Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so we didn't do beef. So it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what they ate, had been eating. Or when they ate or whatever. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. From a kosher perspective, we've got no problems here. 
4,000. So anytime he's feeding anyone, it's always barf. It's always barf, yeah. You had the one about the leopard. That's good. He's I mean, got, got 4,000 people. This is good. You don't know this what they've been eating. You don't know what they've been eating or what points. Yeah. I never thought of that. Wow. That's very, very good. All right. You going to give me the fish? Come on. Give me the fish. What about How many fish were there? 153. 153 fish. Now... Let's let's walk into this slowly. Can we recap? Who can recap for me? They're out fishing. They hadn't caught the thing. They've been fishing all night long. Jesus was on the shore. Jesus is on the shore, and they, they don't fish with net. holes, net. right? Net. They're doing the net thing, right? And they pull the net back up. It's not It's broken. empty. And they oh, pull it, oh, throw oh. the net out, and it's empty all night long. Probably did ships. They probably did do ships. So Yeshua asks if they've caught anything. No, we didn't catch anything. What's he say? Throw it on the other side. Throw it on the other side. I think it's funny because it's not like they've been fishing on the left side. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Throw it on the right side. (laughs) But they've been—you know—they had to be both sides of the boat. Of course. (laughs) Of course. They are professionals. (laughs) That's right. This is what we do for a living. Clean the gun. Clean the gun. Come on, clean the gun. Yeah. All right. And at that point, you know, they didn't know. It was him. It was him. So it was right. like this: some, some, some. Some schmo is on. The like, tell me, we just throw the net on the, the right side. Oh yeah, we hadn't thought of that. Yeah, wait. The right. Whoa, the right side of the boat. Why, why didn't I think it? How come you didn't think it? The right side of the boat. <laughs> Which, I think, I think actually, the fact that they followed through recommends their their character to us that they didn't just be like, oh yeah, okay, thanks, yeah, guy. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, why not? Well, it's funny because what even in that did not statement, he speaks with, like, authority. I mean, in John, he calls them children, and then he says, like, it, it doesn't well, just I, say, Well, I do that to young guys, right too, actually. I well, mean. but then he doesn't even say, just cast it on the right side, but it's like, it, he he speaks with authority, saying, yeah. and you will yes. find fish. Um, so that's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they do follow through with that, but, I mean, I think yeah. when you hear yeah. like that, now, can you kind of statement. You I know, want you to sit on the bottom of the sea. You're just holding your breath. You're sitting on the bottom of the sea, and you look up. And what do you see? You see the bottom of a boat. You can't hear what's going on, but all of a sudden, every fish that you see goes <laughs> to this side. I would be going, whoa, what's up with... And then a net comes in, and they're all gone. Unbelievable. All right. So a net comes up into the boat... What's happening? <laughs> the net isn't breaking, first of all. That is the first difference, right? Because this happened once before, a similar issue. But, but the they caught so down. much that the net began to break. So we get specifically told that this time the net did not break. Go ahead. They didn't bring the net into the boat. It was too It was too heavy to get the net with the fish up into the boat. Because really, So they're like... Oh my goodness, what are we going to do with all these fish? <laughs> I can barely hold on to this net anymore. And they're calling the other guys over with the other boat, right? And they so, have to haul it in. Yeah. It's, it's at this point Peter 
pesticides. Oh my goodness! It I've the, seen this movie before. It's the Lord. <laughs> and he, he makes what I think well, is a I peculiar don't. decision, which is to put on more clothes to jump <laughs> into the water. Which, if you're jumping in water and you're already wearing clothes, and you put on more clothes, it makes it hard to swim. I, I yeah, it's true, but I think from a modesty perspective, the issue is when you come out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> It you is, know, is, you want to have some kind of cover up there because the skivvies are probably all soaked through. And with our folks listening online, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That's good. All right, what else? They weren't just small fish. They were, they were obviously really big. We didn't get any minnows here. Yeah. So we've got some specifics that the scripture gives us. They're large fish. They don't break the net. Peter's like, I don't need to haul this in. There's something more important. My master is there. What else? What else did you see? Go ahead. You got another one? Give it to us. Mr. Beard. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, kind of redundant from the catch of the fish because you sure already had fish ready. That's interesting. I noticed that as well. He's already cooking fish. But maybe he didn't have enough fish. No, enough fish, fish right. So that's what I was thinking. Body. I'm just cooking breakfast for myself. You guys happen to show. Right. Nice. Glad you're here. Why don't you get some more fish? It's, it's B-Y-O-F. Bring, Bring your own, own fish. <laughs> right. Okay. I like it. All right. So we got big fish. Now the guys have brought the net onto shore. What is the most curious thing in the entire story, except, of course, the girding of the man before he jumps in the water. Yeah. What is the most curious aspect of this story? Say it again. That there's 153 of them. That's not the most curious thing. That's right after the most curious thing. What's the most curious thing? Wait, it's right after? Okay, then I don't have anything to add. So I was thinking about one. It's right before that. Right before well, they brought the fish in. No. Before they counted it. What? Say that again. Right before they brought the fish in or before they counted the fish? Who counted the fish? Oh, that's the question. Who counted the fish? Who, counted the Who fish? went to go get the fish? Simon Peter. Simon Peter. All right, so here we go. Micah, you're up. Mm -hmm. I want you to count the cups on this table out loud. At that rate, how long would it take you to count 153 fish? One, two, three, four. 153 seconds, maybe. Right? Minimum. We're talking two, three minutes counting fish. Well, You've got them separated. Right. <laughs> wait, wait. I counted it. No, I didn't count it. Wait. wait I gotta, oh, stop talking to me. I'll have to start all over. One, two. Come on. This is weird. This is weird. Unless they killed all the fish and then yeah, sure. <laughs> skewered them. Right. How many? How many got on that harpoon there? Maybe he threw them into the boat as he was counting them. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I get it, right? Yeah, like you do with ammo. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking only two or three scenarios. Number one. He didn't count the fish. He didn't count the fish. Maybe they just guessed it. I no, no, no. I don't think they guessed. Like marbles Eating. in a jar. Yeah, right. <laughs> Looks like three. They didn't count, and Luke put the yeah, number in. Lost you one over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Option one. They didn't count. Luke just put in the number. 
Right. John. John. And and John did the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it's possible John's pretty quiet in this story. He's in the background counting the fish. That's right. <laughs> he was counting the fish the whole way in. John's sitting on the boat going, we got 153 of these bad boys. I need two of them right now. He's going to cook them for me. They were, they were fishermen, though. And if fishermen usually get paid on their catches... Yeah. I wonder if, like, okay. kind of like a professional poker player, right, 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 they're, like, to count the to count okay. fish. So even the, fact, even the fact that the boats are beginning to sink from the weight of the fish, and they've hauled it over, one of the other guys has counted it and told Peter. Surely he wouldn't leave the creator of the universe, who's cooking him breakfast, waiting. Three hours. 114, 115, 106. I just need two fish. 170. Don't interrupt. 118. It it seems foolish. Option one, John just inserts the number. Option two. No, by option one, you mean it could have been 154? No, no, no. No, no, no. I mean that John counted them and told Peter. Or just puts it in the text. Or just puts it in the text. Right? Option two. Someone was in the background counting the fish. Well, we know the people that are there, so that's the same as option one. What's option two? You should have told them how many they caught. If you told them the fish would be there, you could know how many they caught. Could have been. But that would... it would It would be complimentary with the text but nearly contradictory because it's Peter who says, who realizes they caught 153. So somebody told him, could have been Yeshua. It's odd that John wouldn't say, of the 153 you caught, bring me two more, we'll fillet those and pull the bones out of there. Well, that's good, you're thinking. What's the second option? They just knew. They just knew. Hmm. Word of knowledge. <laughs> I've heard that somewhere before. I just Staring know. them down. <laughs> <laughs> Did your dad do that to you? Dad. I, I remember when uh, I was a boy. My, my dad and I were sitting at the table with the rest of the family. And I picked up the steak knife. And I said, Dad, do you know how many times you're on the steak knife? And he said 14, or whatever number. So what did I do? I counted them. And was he right? Of course. Of course he was right. I wouldn't be telling the story if he wasn't right. (laughs) Yes, he was right. I'm like, how did you know that? He goes, I just knew. Are there any other options besides the fact that somebody else counted the fish and told Peter? Or that John himself counted them and wrote it in? They just knew, like Micah said. They just knew. That's weird. Could be. They just... The net might be, you know, looked like it was max capacity. We know how many the net can carry. Okay. I got yours like that. If there's 9 millimeter in here, we've got 250. If they're 45 caliber, we've got only two. I get it. Yeah, okay. So, wow. It's funny, though, that they would be gauging the nets... On prime numbers, like 153, not 150, but 153. No, 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 no. That's 
That's full plus three. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Are there any other? If you took a jar and were scooping minnows out of a bucket. Yeah. And you were like, oh my gosh, look how many I got in this jar. There's. You would have to count them, right? You would have to. <laughs> this is thick. Yeah. Look how full it is. I mean, if you only got three or seven and it was, you know. Yeah, but it was overflowing, it you'd want to count. So you think option one. They, they, somebody. I think somebody counted. Counted. How many think Peter counted? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't think Peter counted either. Away, so what do you think? I, I, well, no, no, I'm, I'm waiting for him. Well, I'm now asking him. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. no. We, none of us know. What, what I'm trying to figure out is, why does it matter? <laughs> why does it matter if it was Peter or if it was John? Well, it doesn't so, matter. The point is... They know. The point is, why is that detail there and why is it significant? Exactly right. Exactly right. So, I first wanted to figure out how do we get that detail? Yeah. But so, presumably, somebody, somebody did count. And we got 153. Or told them. Right, right, right. Per- perhaps they ate all the fish over the next couple of days and someone was like, you know, there's 153 of these fish. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't eat another thing. <laughs> Isn't there any more bread? <laughs> all right, so 153. Bring it on, what do you got? 153's got to be significant in some way. There's only one thing in the scripture that has 153 in it, unless you bring some gematria into it. So what do you got? Talk to me. So the short answer is... Everybody got to listen now. The short answer is I don't know with certainty. Sure. However, when I'm in Israel in three weeks, this, or maybe four weeks, this will, not three weeks, this will be one of the specific things that I will be sitting down with Ariel Kahanaloro. And asking. Yeah. So uh, there there is there was um, someone wrote in a, uh, an opinion that this is related to Gamatria, right? I mean a number that's specific. Sure, right? like the six 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 thing. There's gotta be something right. there, right. And the the reference that this the reference that this um, commentator made was that it's specifically referring to a phrase that occurs one time in the Tanakh and it's in Hosea chapter 1 okay so Hosea is about Gomer and go you know he tells the prophet go marry Gomer who's a prostitute and have children and it's all it's all prophetic about how Hashem was going to judge the northern kingdom for their um, for their promiscuity, as it were. Um, but that ultimately he would bring them back. Okay, and in that chapter one, it uses a unique phrase in reference to the uh, to the the northern tribes of of Israel. It uses the phrase "sons of the living God." It's the only time in the Tanakh that phrase is used. Hmm. And this commentator says the gematria of that phrase is 153. Hmm. Okay, so uh, now um, I have a question mark on that, but I will, defer. I, will, I will defer to 
the uh, gamatre expert did that you I do the personally you get out who will help me sort that out. But let's assume for a moment that that, that the gamatria works there. Okay. What's the connection? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, my current view takes you... So we know that Hosea is all about how the northern tribes were going to be cut off and be scattered. But at the end of days, right, they would all, God would ultimately bring them back. And sure. there's obviously many, many other prophecies you know, throughout the Tanakh that He's going to guess, this, right? Yeah. But the one specific, you know, so here we are, we have professional fishermen, right? And what did Yeshua say to these professional fishermen when he recruited them three and a half years prior? I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. You fishermen, come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. Didn't he say that right after the last time he told them to cast the net, and they got like there's like a couple of different versions of the gospels. Yeah, he, he said, "Follow me." Called them, <laughs> but the make you fishers of men, I think, is is in connection to that other account, which is what this is alluding to. Yeah. Which, interestingly enough, if you go to Jeremiah. Chapter 16, um, and I'm going to pick up on verse 14, which to me is this is just an amazing prophecy to begin with. But Jeremiah 16, verse 14, therefore, behold, days are coming, declares Hashem, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Okay, what's that's a what's what is that a reference to, and when do we? Specifically, talk about that when we tell that story. Pesach, Pesach right? Yes. At Good Passover, night. that is the point of Passover is to recount that story right. when Hashem brought His people up out of the land of Egypt. The day is coming, according to the prophet, where we're not going to tell that story anymore. Why? To be a better story. Because as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the um, uh, from the land of the north and from all the countries where he banished them, for I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. Verse 16, behold, right? This is in the context now of bringing them back from wherever they've been scattered. Behold, I'm going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them. So I think, and then it goes on, and, it's, and, and that's kind of midway through that particular verse. The rest of the verse goes on to say, and afterwards, I will send many hunters, and they will hunt, hunt for them. Now I have a view on what that, of, of what that might be alluding to, but, but staying focused on the, I'm yeah. going to send many fish. fishermen, and they're going to, and I'm going to fish for them. Them being those who are dispersed, not dispersed, right? Yeah. So, um, so I think the connection here is, one possible connection here is that Yeshua is making, he's, it's, again, it's almost like an object lesson where he's saying, look, you guys are fishermen, but let me tell you the real fish that I'm going to send you after. I'm going to send you after the sons of the living God who have been dispersed. dispersed, Right? And um, 
Um, and that is, especially by the time Paul comes on the scene, but even Peter, right, who is central to this story we're reading, really starts to engage with what we would call, you know, Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. But the point is they, they, they are reaching out, they begin to reach out to all mankind, presumably to fish for those that will come, that will be brought back. One theory. I like it. That's cool. I like that one too. Yeah. I am. Um, so my wife and I thought through this. She has heard your um, illustrious points about the only other time that the number 100 G3 has shows up in the Bible and has nothing to do with it. Uh, it's not actually spelled out 153. Right. It's not. But it's three sets of 51, which added together make... 153. Um, we were reading through. I always wonder what this point of this. If there's any connection here, and it's really weird, is it's in sec, uh, first uh, Second Kings chapter one, and it has to do with Elijah and King Ahaziah of Israel, who the story starts. He's sick. He makes a he makes a bad choice. He's sick. He says, "Go ask this idol what's going on, and will I get better?" Then the the angel says, Tom tells Elijah, send a messenger, go tell the king, what, you're, there's no God in Israel? You're having to ask the idol, what, are you not going to die? Right, you're, right. not gonna, you're not going to get well, you're going to die. Yeah. You know. So then the, 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 the king says, I don't want to listen to a messenger, go get the real Elijah, tell him to go tell me that. So he sends 51 guys to go out to Elijah. Well, he sends 50 guys plus a captain. and their commander. Right. So 50 guys plus their commander, 51. They go up, they say, man of God, come down, we're going to take you to the king. And Elijah looks at them and goes, think I'm a man of God? If I'm really a man of God, let's see if fire comes out from heaven. Woof. 51 guys, gone. Toast. Next next Toast. 51 guys show up. Same deal. Woof. The third set of 51 guys, now we have 153, show up. And the captain this time, he's, he walks up and he's like, <laughs> I, get, I know you, 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 you're a man of God. We just, you know. Yeah, we don't need to question please, whether you're a man of God. Just, we know you're be willing to come with us. It'd be great. You know, but you don't have to, you know. Basically, um, and Elijah's fine. Okay, fine. I'll come with you. And the story ends. Oddly enough, he shows up to the king, says, "I told you you're gonna die," and he dies. And that's the end. Yeah. And Juliana's point to the story is like, "Why is this here? This is the weirdest story ever. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's very random, and it doesn't have a lot of context. It's it's a very brief account of King Ahaziah, who only shows up. Um, I mean, it's it's very short. It's very odd. So my theory. This is a theory. All right, let's hear. Um, what makes this story unusual is actually there's multiple references to the Gospels in the story. So the first point is the idol. The idol is not just any idol. The idol is named. The idol in this case is Baal-zebub. You've already heard this name. That's right. Right. We've seen this one with Yeshua. They accused him of using him to cast out demons. The whole cat bringing down fire from heaven thing is another illusion that we get in the Gospels because when the Samaritans, uh, Yeshua says, hey, can I come and hang out in your village on the way down to Jerusalem? The Samaritans go, you're going to Jerusalem? No, you can't come through our village. And the disciples go, hey, want to call that fire from heaven on them? (laughs) Of course, Yeshua says, no, 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 let's not do that. But the, so they've got these couple of these little illusions to the Gospel story. So the question I'm thinking is like, Uh, uh, what was the question that had to be answered Oh. Or you die. Are you going to get what? No. Oh. What was the question that Elijah was asking them oh. if it was true? If I am a man of God. Yes. And it was only when they came recognizing that he was 
a man of God, that there was no destruction. That's right, and there's an illusion there. I'm also thinking, though, that the whole story is making a point. If you treat it like a parable almost, this narrative, I believe it really happened, but treat it like a parable, what's the point? The point of the story is who's in charge of life and death. Amen. The whole story is about life and death. The beginning of the king is dying, and he asks an idol, am I going to live? God's response is, aren't I in charge of that? And so he then proceeds to prove it by bringing out fire from heaven twice. So I'm thinking the illusion here, if there's an illusion here in the Gospels, and I think yours is also really cool, so this is another idea. Maybe there's multiple layers. Absolutely. So 153, the other illusion here is, this is Yeshua post-resurrection. This, this experience he's having with his disciples is a rather further reinforcement about the power of God over death, essentially. And so I think that 153 is going back to this story to point back to who's really in charge of life and death. Here we are with the, math, the author of life cooking fish for us on the beach. I, I agree. And, and I would add even further that he demonstrates his power over life and death by knowing where the fish are. Hmm, right. What happened to the fish? They got burned. They died. And they got eaten. And probably burned in fire. But again, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is a life. If we don't eat, we die. You know, so um, that's good. Yeah, another, so why were you questioning? Did you, you did you do the gematria and you couldn't couldn't make it add to one fifty three? The using using the normal gematria, it, I couldn't get the math to work. You had to use a funky one. But it but it may be one of the other yeah uh, the other methods. So uh, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and there. I think that's cool. Cool. Well, that was great. Thank you. Any other comments on it? Yes, sir. Um, well, I don't know if this means anything or not, but when I... Well, we'll be the judge of that. Anyway. But when I searched up what is the significance of 153 in the Bible on yeah. Google, there was a link to Wikipedia, and it said that the Greek gematria for Mary Magdalene is 153. Um, the Catholic entry, sure, yeah. And there are 153 different types of fish, so however nice they might be, they might have caught one of each fish. Nice. One of each fish. Wow. How lucky is wow. that? Grouper. Swordfish. Red salmon. Halibut. Unbelievable. Look at that. And a sauce for each. Yes. I've never seen this fish before. <laughs> I'm coming to add to yours is that the net was not breaking, which I think would show that when God captures you, you're, yeah. you're not going to be released. You're, not, you're, you're going to be captured. And I also Googled. And Did you come up with Mary Magdalene? Somebody says that uh, yod heh appears 153 times in Genesis. Really? Whoa. <laughs> while that's cool, don't know if it's true, but while it's cool. I didn't count. So. That's cool. Well, you don't have and to count. You cool. never use the computer. The computer <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, us, right? you know? That is interesting. I didn't know that. Anybody else? Yes, Gregory. I've been seeing some of the, the Christian commentary in this regard of yeah. Bible study tools. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it's funny because they, they, very much like Judaism, they all attempt to do some level of gematria. But don't and you have a, to? Don't you have to? I mean, I the number's there, right? you gotta, you got to question yeah. why is it there? There's like one person, and every all the, the commentators that I like discredit this, but there's one person that points out that 
the, the number 153 shows up in Second Chronicles as like 153,600 proselytes with Solomon. And uh, so mm-hmm. they, they kind of like extrapolate just the 153 out of that. And then everybody else is like, but what about the thousands? What about the 600? So anyway, yeah, that was one attempt. And then the other one was apparently some mystic Greek gematria says that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Savior, the the acronym of that is 153. The, the acronym is the Greek, 153. Stop at all right, uh, all red lights. The acronym of that is also 153. I didn't know anybody knew that, but that's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then another another one says that a hundred is representative of the of sort of like the collection of Gentiles that will come to faith. Fifty is representative of the collection of Jews that will come to faith. And three is the Trinity. And three is the Trinity. And there it is. So that, was another, that was another attempt. Oh, wow. Jeez. That's funny. All these different references, but yet it just means one thing. 153 well, it of something. It doesn't need to be just one thing. There can be many responses. But I think as, as Bible students, we should recognize there's nothing in the Bible by accident. We're specifically told it was 153, not 152, or not. Gosh, a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so you gotta, you gotta wonder why it's there. I don't think we're wise if we think we can know for certain why it's there. But it is cool to look at some of the things. I think those are in left field. But hey. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the beauty about it is it doesn't matter what the right answer is. And that's one of the things that's important to know about Jewish approach to Midrash. Dig. It doesn't matter what it, if it's definitely this. Right. Did you learn something comparing it to this? Exactly. That's really the point. Exactly. And I think the answer is yes. Like Pharaoh's daughter stretched. Yeah, right. right. Far to go get long the arm, long arm. Yeah, it kind of it seems like everything boils down into two categories. Either the number is significant to support how miraculous this was that was a lot of other people were saying essentially the reason for the number is that they were so shocked uh, at the catch that they had that it had never happened before that they just couldn't help but, but count it them so that they could brag about it basically and it could be as simple as that of the miracle absolutely so that's one category the other category is this has to do somehow with the messiahship of yeshua seems like or or, or his character or who he represents so yeah sure i agree all right, let's uh, let's move on. Do you love me? It would have been funny if Peter just said no. I think we do that because we don't have the benefit of the Greek and the English. I think we really should do this um, with with emphasis instead. Okay. Okay. I I, I see where you're going. Because I think that's I think that. I think that's the pattern that you were leading us down here. I'm trying. And looking yeah. at the Greek. Yeah. So, did, did everybody at least understand the words here and, and that we're looking at? I was surprised. I, um, I think Christians have it all wrong. I've always heard agape love is the greatest, most wonderful. It is the love. It's 1 Corinthians 13. But if you look at the, the way that it's used... The love that seems to matter more is phileo, right. not agape. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like 
I can't love like that right now. Well, no, it's like agapo. How you, agapao. Agapao, thank you. Um, seems to be almost more like a, you know, I love you guys kind of thing. Phileo's like, you're my father-in-law. Like, I love you. Like, it's a relationship-based. Yeah. As opposed to a general love. I love you, man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. I'd take a bullet for you. Don't know your name. Brother. Right. But I would take a bullet right. for you. You know, yeah. I'm a good guy. You're good people. I love you. But like, Phileo, I didn't say you. Yeah. I said him. But well, no, actually, that's Phileo. Yeah. That's saying I love you because of your you, not because you're a human being, and because Agapeo is Agapao is I love you because of who I am. Phileo is almost like I love you because of who you are. It's a relationship. That's love. right. That's exactly right. And so and let's, let's make sure we're straight, though. It's not Phileo. You do that to fish. It's Phileo. Phileo. <laughs> anyway, my Greek pronunciation could, could use some brush up, but um, I think if we were to do this one in uh, in English, my take on it is Let's something it. like, Yeshua says, do you love me more than these? Peter's response, you know that I love you. Yeshua's response, do you love me? Peter's response, you know that I love you. Yeshua's response, do you love me? Peter's response, you know that I love you. <laughs> and that's basically the way that it goes. <laughs> that was great. I'm desperate here. Just give me a good answer. That's right. I love you. No, but that's the point, is that actually Yeshua is almost egging him on to escalate. Yes. He doesn't come to where Peter is by, by going down. He meets Peter's intensity. Peter's right. going up in levels. Yeah. And, and like you said, in, in the Christian church, agapao is, is the bee's knees. Right? I don't really understand why now. If you have unconditional love for someone you don't know, well, you'll take a bullet for them. That's true. Right? You, you'll embarrass yourself to present the gospel and so on. Mm -hmm. um, I've always felt it was connected to love your neighbor as yourself, that idea. Okay. The, and that's the way I'd always heard it when, when you know, in a, in a Christian church is that you, un, showing unconditional love for someone is loving your neighbor as yourself. The guy who never mows his lawn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a low standard. Yeah. And that works. That works. All right. So we've got Yeshua's question, and, and let's, let's ride with Joshua's point here. And we've got Peter's response, and, and they come to some agreement, if you will, uh, on the phileo aspect. <clears throat> I was, I had never noticed that Peter's response changes not only from the love aspect, but also from the knowledge aspect. From oida to gnosko. So, what's, what's your thoughts there? Did you guys look up oida? Yeah. To have seen or perceived, appreciate, or to know. That's what we do. Okay. And how does that differ from, differ from Gnosko? Gnosko. Uh, oh, go ahead. Gnosko is to come to know, recognize, or to perceive. Oida is past tense. Gnosko <coughs> is uh, future tense. <coughs> To come, <coughs> to perceive. So what's the difference in English? 
There is a difference between you. Stop that. <laughs> it's... Do you know... So, if I understood those definitions correctly, then... Lord... You know that I've loved... That I have loved you or that I... You know, currently love you, right? Mm. But then it would be. But then the second instance would be, yeah. Well, you know all things, right? So that's that's a that's a statement of fact. But then you denosco that I love you. That if that if that's more of a future tense, that's like like only you will know if I love you. That could work. You you know all things, but only you will know that could if I love you. That could I think that in the Greek, the main difference between oida and gnosko is experience. So you know that when you fire a handgun, where's the gun going to go? It's going to go up. You know that. There's going to be recoil and there's going to be muzzle flip. But do you know it from experience? Mm, no. That's the difference. Yes. Right? So you guys know how the gun reacts when you fire it. But I know how the gun reacts when you fire it differently. You get it? So you know it. Or you know it from experience. You know there's the creator. But do you know the creator? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So if we look at it that way, Peter's response, you know I love you. I mean, it's a definition. You, I'm a disciple. Hello? I've been following you for three years. Hello? You've experienced that I love you. Which then he says, tend my sheep. Exactly. Because of that experience, you're not qualified. That's right. And you know now how to tend those sheep right. because you've watched me do it because of the experience we've had together, as you taught me. They've had a whole Torah cycle to learn what love is all about yeah. as they went through it. So... Cool. So my wife found another. I, I like Let's to bring Julianne into this class. She's, she's I think it's great. And, yeah, um, I would love to invite her to come. <laughs> but she, she, has, she has to have a son, and she'd have to be caring for the son, the masculine right, child, right. to attend. So well, uh, it, um, she's uh, she was. We were reading this passage, and uh, noticed that the you had to look at the Greek of the feed and tend my lambs yeah, and sheep. Yeah, Bosco. Which is kind of weird, it is. Um, especially because. From what we could tell, it basically it boils down to pasture, like let the the little lambs go out to eat. Give them a spot to eat, yeah. Tend, which is more like supervise, right. like more active. Stand there and care for them. For the older sheep, which is kind of reversed. Yeah. And then it ends with feed my sheep, which is again kind of that almost just like kind of loose pasture the older sheep. But the Juliana then points out that that's really unusual. 
that the first two points, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, um, actually oddly dovetail with Yeshua's prophecy about Peter's death. So, whoa, I know, right? Didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. So, go ahead with that. Okay, so I was like, yeah, it was cool. We looked at it closely. So it says, when you were young, like little lambs, little lambs. You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, like pasturing. But when you were old, like sheep, which, by the way, the reference to the word sheep there is actually a weird Greek word. They presume it's sheep. It actually has more to do with walking. Yeah. Uh, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go, which sort of sounds like, super, I mean, it reminds me of the supervision element that we get yeah. from the pasturing. Yeah. Then the last one that Yeshua uses is feed my sheep again older sheep and then pastoring kind of almost giving them like a free will so to speak um that almost ties in with john the last character because then peter then goes well, what, well, about, what him? about him and yeshua right. says if i want him to be here till i come back what's that to you oh again almost like he's gonna have he's going to age at kind of his own pace whatever he wants to do okay you may not but the point that i think so anyway we were just looking at going that's weird i don't know exactly what that means but I think the real the real emphasis here is that clearly that um, I think Yeshua's point about the sheep and whatnot is that he's letting Peter know um, not that he gets to make up for his three denials thing, but like that's over. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to make up for it. It's like his opportunity to make tikkun to repair that, so to speak, is gonna come. Right. And he's gonna do it. Good. And I think he gets that because when he asks, "Is John gonna be a part of this?" I don't think I've always in the past thought that Peter was kind of like the, you know, almost kind of like bummed, like I gotta die for you. What about him? Or, or he's really proud of it, and he's like, "Oh, I get to die for you. What about this guy that I'm the only one who gets to die for?" Him? But actually, looking at it now, it's like it makes much more sense thinking of it more. John was there. John was the only one there with Peter when Peter denied Yeshua three times. They go together. So I'm thinking Peter's looking at it going, this is an incredible honor to get to die for you. But what about John? John was there too. He did it right. I screwed up. And he was under the cross too. Right. John's the one who stayed with you. What about him? Almost like you can't leave him out there. And Yeshua's like, don't worry about him. I got my own plans for him. That's a really cool perspective. That's yeah, really yeah, a different way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, I I was really trying to look at some chiastic nature ah. of these three things. Do you think that when Peter, having denied him three times, here's the master ask him three times in a row if he loves him? Do you, do you think that was coming to mind? I, I just well, my mom's always pointed the smell of charcoals in the air yeah. times. Literally, <laughs> it specifically right. points out the charcoal fire. So you're smelling, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Uh, it's almost like a tikkun. Yeah. yeah, to come back. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Yeah. Redemption. I think uh, I just if we use different English words, uh, right? We see a feed on the first one, or feed on the last one. You've got tend by itself in the middle. You've got lambs, and then you get sheep and sheep. So my chiastic thing blew up, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well, maybe there's no chiastic stuff in Greek." Still, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so that's also one of those weird, like three-dimensional. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like playing three D chess. All right. So, 
so based on what you guys have said, do you, do you think Pete got the message? And if so, what's your evidence? What's he supposed to do? What's he supposed to get? What's the, what's the bottom line? You got to feed my sheep, tend my flock, do this, do that. Do you love me? I don't love you. I never heard of you. Who are you? I don't know. What, what's the bottom line? What is the master trying to get? Uh, he's trying to get Peter to say a couple or something. Maybe. Because it seems that once he hadn't said that twice, he said he said Pradio, and he finally said, and she was finally said. So do you think what he's trying to get is here or later in his life? What's the master's goal? What's he trying to get him to do? What are we coming up to? What's that? What are we coming up to? X. Yeah. Who stands up? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that, I think he's, one, he's trying to, um, he's trying to make sure that Simon Peter is really committed because at the end of this dissertation, what does he say? Follow me. Exactly. As he already said to him once before. Right. If not twice. But but you know, but now follow me, especially in the context of knowing that Yeshua's about to disappear again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so can you follow me when I'm not here? Exactly. Right. Hmm. Um, because that's exactly what happens. That's right. It's it's not many days hence, as it says, where Peter steps to the plate. Yeah. Unlike what happened just prior to this. Right. So, yeah, I think I think the, I may be wrong, but I really think that the goal was Pete had a little problem in the ninth inning there. We're, we're going into extra innings here, and I need you to step to the plate. You need to take the bat in your hand, and you need to hit it out of the park. And I'll tell you what, Acts chapter 2, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks, is extraordinary. This man stands up for the, for the risen Christ, unlike the way he did when that same man was taken. He steps up in an extraordinary way. I don't know of another preacher that I can name who gave one sermon that didn't take that long and the Holy Spirit was working so mightily that day that 3,000 souls were added. That's quite a catch. Yeah. Cool. We are done with the Gospels. Amen. So the rest of our study for the next several months or whatever it may be is going to be a lot easier. I mean, you're going to get to read three chapters of Acts, for example. And we'll talk about the three chapters of Acts. It should be pretty easy. You don't have to read 19 different places. You don't have to compare, well, why did this guy say this when this one said that? And how did they differ? And all? It's easy. It's going to be easy. 
every now and then as we're reading through the book of Acts, we may jump out and go to another passage because we're trying to read it chronologically. And there may be some things that uh, happen along those lines. But first, we're going to do a lesson that I wrote in which I'm going to have you read the entire four Gospels all next week. That's right. In one fell swoop. So Joshua, is, uh, it's already in your study guide if you've downloaded it. Uh, excellent job, by the way. Thank you. Um, Oops, yeah. Joshua is going to take us next week through how, how did you see the Holy Spirit in this four book? As we read through this, the Holy Spirit was mentioned several times. There were some pretty, pretty big things, and there were some cool, quiet things, like the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you with great power, but it's going to feel like you've had too much to eat that day. You know, whatever. So Joshua's going to help us to kind of relive some of those motions and walk through and compare it to what maybe we grew up believing. And maybe we really don't know how the Holy Spirit works. We're probably going to have another interlude like this after we read through a couple of the epistles, uh, certainly after the book of Acts, and, uh, and have Joshua come back up and, and kind of tie some more of that together. Yeah, hopefully this will provide a good... The Holy Spirit is... Major a, in Acts. Well, major in Acts, but both in Acts and, and in some of Paul's early epistles, mm -hmm. rather early in the list. I don't know if they're early in time. Um... And because of that, it's helpful to know what Yeshua said in advance. Right. Because I think the mistake we make too often is we use Paul as the standard. And Paul is normally fleshing things out. Well, he's, as we, he's assuming you already have a base. Right. As we've already seen, there's a couple of times where we've, we've learned and recognized, gosh, here I thought this was Paul, but it's actually Yeshua who said this or did right. this. And Paul's reflecting And Paul's on. makes really only makes sense in the context of what was said before him. That's right. And, and, and it, it has to be that way. And it has to be that way. Because too often people use Paul as a starting place. Yes. And that's when you get all confused. Because yes. Paul's assuming you've already read all this stuff. That's right. <laughs> so our, our focus here on what about Holocaust for the non-Jews is really going to come to bear as we go through the book of Acts. Because we're going to bump into non-Jews. We're going to bump into places that don't have any Jews. So it's going to be uh, an exciting time, I think. So that's that one. Are you uh, up for the following week, or do you need to get a job first, or what? Yeah, I'll, I'll be up. Good. All right, so... It might uh, be really short, but we'll, we'll see right. what we can that's talk right. about. So uh, Gregory's going to talk to us about, uh, you know, maybe, and like you said, it may be real short. But what halakha did we see there? And, and if we saw some halakha, was it, was it just for Jews? Or were there non-Jews included? And does it change what we do or how we should be acting out our faith and so forth? And, and that, should, uh, that should be a good review for us. Not supposed to be uh, all-inclusive, but certainly uh, a good review for us. So that's what's coming up. Questions, comments, complaints, hassles? We don't really care about the last part, but you know. Yes. Question: Do we really have to read the entire episode? No, no, no. no. Oh, check, check your study guide, and uh, you'll find that the reading is uh, is not uh, is not too bad. Um, a lot of short pieces. Yeah, little little passages to bring to remembrance what we've saw, uh, so that you can then compare them. Um, and it's highlighted in red what you need to read. So you you know just like you've seen in the earlier parts of the book, so you can't go wrong there. All right.
Is it again? Good. All right, so I get uh, I get two weeks off. I want the corner of the couch. <laughs> and I want that corner of the couch um, for the next two weeks, and then uh, I'll bring us into the Book of Acts. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm just I, I feel like I'm learning a lot, and I'm I'm realizing that. I've read all of this before, but some of this I don't remember. Or where you're like, really? Like the mountain. Go meet him on the mountain he told you about in Galilee. I went on, I'm looking on the map going, how many mountains are there in Galilee? There's at least two, you know. There's, well, there's one right away. Hmm. I don't remember him. I don't remember him ever mentioning that. So, and, uh, was he in a Galilee? seems like it might be the ascension point, possibly. I don't think so. That was the Mount of Olives. That's, that's the Mount of Olives. Because right. that's, that's where right. he's going to come back down. Think right? Back. right. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Mr. Martin, I wonder if I could get you to uh, give me a closing prayer that would remember the uh, unborn child in that man's wife's womb and the uh, unborn job. That's uh, in that man's heart. Close us out. Thank you, sir. Father, we're, uh, we're thankful for uh, uh, two really good reports, uh, Father. One, uh, 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 job opportunity, and not only should I take this job, but which of these two jobs that you put in front of me should I take? Uh, Father, we pray uh, that you would bless Gregory with uh, tremendous wisdom know which, uh, which direction is the, uh, the best path uh, ahead thank of him uh, for he and his family. Uh, speaking of family, we thank you, Father, for the new family that you're in the process of creating inside uh, Juliana's womb. Uh, what an answer to prayer it is for, uh, uh, for Juliana and Joshua to conceive once again. We pray, Father, that your hand of protection would be all over that baby and all over Juliana that you would uh, form and develop that baby well so that they can see a, uh, a full-term, healthy uh, baby born into their family. Thanks. And uh, that you give our congregation the opportunity to rejoice uh, with them over the, uh, the life that you have, uh, have created. Mm. Uh, Father, what a tremendous opportunity that would be. Uh, we thank you for our time together tonight, Father. And help us to continue to, uh, to pursue you. Uh, we pray all these things in the name of Yeshua, Hamashiach. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. And um, I will be in Israel for ten days, starting on February 9th or tenth. 